I found $2 in my desk. What? I don't know. Are you going to save him and buy bubble gum down at the yes, drugstore? Totally. <sighs> no, I always got, um, uh, what is it stuff called? Lickamade. Remember that? Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. Happy to be back in the great nation of Texas. I'm your host, Meredith All the Way Mayhan, and joining me today to bring you a recap of the previous week of TBTL in the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Meredith. And in London, Ontario, Canada, it's Bobby Pape. Hey, Bobby. Bonjour. <laughs> Today we'll explain what's been going on with us lately, including my recent road trip and whether Bobby's on his way to beg Justin Trudeau to either be our president or take Anne out for poutine. We'll cover the week in review, we'll do some housekeeping, and we'll let you know how you can get involved with the show. Uh, first in LRB business, don't sleep on Friday's show, which stars uh, Bobby talking with Amy from our sister podcast, Earbuds and Earworms. Um, it is an inception-like look back at our 19th episode in which uh, David Burbank defends his iPod. Yeah, as we wrote in the notes, we realized a couple of things from this last week. If you don't usually listen to the Friday shows, here's something to keep in mind. Um, this is uh, in a week with no Luke. Uh, we figured you could use a Burbank, but we figured you could use a better Burbank. So we dug into our archives <laughs> from 2015. I, I can't even believe we've been doing the show that long. But uh, two years ago, David Burbank came on and rekindled the classic segment, Defend Yourself iPod Edition. And Mike and Christy and David all did some defense of their terrible music tastes or not terrible, depending on your tastes. Uh, and then they also listened back to the inception of that segment with Luke and Jen defending their iPods to one another. Uh, and we did not uh, defend our iPods, me and Amy, because we didn't want to break the podcast by doing that many <laughs> levels of iPod defending. <laughs> but uh, in addition to our Friday show, which you should absolutely listen to, now both Mike and Phyllis have also appeared on Amy's podcast, Your Buds and Earworms, to defend their iPods. Uh, and those are episodes worth listening to. They're in Friday's show notes. So listen to our show now. Then listen to that episode from Friday if you haven't yet. Then go listen to those two episodes of E&E. And then it's probably like going to be Thursday by the time you're done. So that's <laughs> you guys have week. a lot of work to do. <laughs> We've got it all worked out for you. A couple of updates. We didn't re-interview David for this, but I did shoot him a message and I just said, hey, we're going to re-air this episode from a couple of years ago. Do you have any updates on a couple of really important burning topics? And so um, those topics included whether or not he ever landed an internship at 710 ESPN. Spoiler alert, he did. <laughs> and uh, whether or not he's still wearing bow ties. And I'm going to leave that one out there as a cliffhanger. You've got to go Ooh. listen to hear. All right. Uh, next up, let's not forget about the picnic. Uh, the picnic is Friday, August 18. Starts at 5 p.m. at Woodland Park in Seattle. I will be there. Bobby will be there. Yep. Anne will be there. Yep. Yay. Phyllis will be there. 
I don't no, know. Christy and Jeremy. I, mean, I, I assume she will I be. I assume she'll be there. We haven't really asked her explicitly. We but. need to get her saying yep on tape and we can just drop it in. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be happy to do that yeah. for us. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we're going to make sort of a long weekend out of it. We'll be there Friday to Monday. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, speaking of trips, uh, I am back from my giant road trip. That started on July 11th, and I got back last night, which was the 29th. So that was a long trip. That was pretty long. Um, and what, what I did is I flew up to Michigan and uh, uh, stayed with my mom, as you guys heard, a couple weeks ago. And then Duff drove up with Eddie, and uh, we went up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to Marquette for the Hiawatha Folk Music Festival, which isn't really my jam, but uh, we have some friends who go every year. And we've been a few times and made some really good friends there uh, the first time. So uh, it was good to see everybody. We got to meet our friend's new baby, um, kind of uh, avoid camping. Everyone was camping and we got an Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm always happy when I can avoid camping. It rained the last day and everyone was just miserable and their campsites got flooded. And I was like, bye, (laughs) I'm going to go take a shower (laughs) in my enclosed uh, apartment. So that was really great. And then we went to Traverse City uh, just overnight. Duff's got some family there. Um, and we got to go kind of check out uh, that city, which is changing. All of Michigan is 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 growing and changing a lot more than, than I thought. And then we swung down through Detroit, uh, stayed at my old house with my mother-in-law, and uh, just, you know, went to restaurants and explored the new uh, downtown Detroit scene, which is crazy. Um, and it was actually a really lovely time. I'm, I'm happy to be back. We drove back. It took us two days. Um, the first leg we stopped in Springfield, Missouri overnight, and that's where Duff's brother lives and has a restaurant there. It was a really, really fantastic restaurant in an apple orchard. So that was one of the, the meal highlights of the trip. And then, uh, yesterday it was another like six hours of driving. So I don't want to get back in the car for a long time and I am really happy to sleep in my own bed. (laughs) Dang, you've been busy. I know, I know. It was a lot. My trip is not as nearly exciting, as exciting as yours. Um, but I am in another country, although you you hopped over the border too. Oh yeah, we went to um, Windsor um, just for a little while, just to soak in some of that socialism, like that Justin Trudeau, <laughs> you know, essence. Felt really good, and we had some dinner with some friends. Yeah, so I've been to London many times, and in fact, I've done the show from London, Ontario before the other London, the London where I always have to clarify to people that I'm not going to (laughs) Europe, and the London where I usually drive, and people just give me a blank stare until I clarify. Uh, But uh, this time I flew because of tight scheduling and not wanting to spend half of the long weekend in the car to see my family for the other half. Uh, and so I took a tiny little plane from Boston to Toronto and then an even smaller, a Dash 8, as Will is so proud to tell us he's put a lot of miles on um, to London. And it was such a short flight that they just sort of – we never really even broke the cloud line coming in. That was exciting. Um, and it was a little loud and it was a prop plane. And the scariest part of that was that there was a Canadian country music artist on the flight with oh, like no. his whole crew. And so – I'm sitting here in my head doing the math saying, is he famous enough in Canada to be Canada's Buddy Holly? Because Mm -hmm. I really want to get to London. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out, no, nobody, you know, people have heard of him, but he's not that big of a deal. So we got there just fine. Uh, And uh, yeah, I'm visiting family for a couple of days. It's basically uh, a combination summer party 
reunion and memorial for my grandmother. Um, this kind of thing happens up here every year, whether or not someone dies. And then when someone does, it just kind of gets turned into that too. Um, this is the way we celebrate everything. Uh, with my Canadian family, there's a cooler full of a whole lot of beer and a bunch of food is made and people just come and go all weekend. So um, I'm taking a quick break from that now to be here to do this with my LRB family. And then I'm going to go back to my maple scented Canadian family after this. <laughs> but I'm glad to be with you from uh, London. And thank you, Anne, for picking up my slack and editing this episode so that I can go get day drunk with my family. My pleasure. As long as I'm rambling on here, I just wanted to touch on something because I've talked to a few tens recently in LRB Wagoneers, and and I know a couple of the other. Well, I know we've all talked to some other people recently about this too. Um, simply put, I think it's been a rough few weeks um, on TBTL for us, <laughs> um, and sometimes it's easy to get uh, the nose down on the negativity train, and so we've been a little harsh lately. Uh, and I had thought that we might have a big talk about this and work it all out and and be honest and open and and remind ourselves that we love TBTL and and you know do a little cheerleading. But honestly, we don't need to because this is a great week and we're going to get into that in a week in review. But the reason I know it was a great week and not just our own delusion wanting it to be a great week is that we got almost no throw your phone bones this <laughs> week. Um, and I've been meaning to ask Jeremy, and I haven't done it yet. I don't know if we need to keep buying domain names, but. Uh, we can also take hug your phone moments, guys. We want to hear the good stuff, too. The bad stuff is really funny. Like, it's it's an easy target for us to take shots at. But I like the fun stuff, too. We all do. And so uh, listener Lauren has gone out of her way this week to remind us of the joys of TBTL by picking a hug your phone moment of every day this week. But that burden doesn't just fall on Lauren. Uh, burden's the wrong word. That honor doesn't just fall on Lauren. <laughs> Negativ- can, negativity train, nose up. We, nose up. Yeah, we can all do this. We can all get the nose up together. And and this week was really so good because Andrew did such a good job producing the show. Uh, so we have one throw your phone moment from Ashley, which we'll do on Tuesday. And uh, we'll also work in the hug your phone moments from Lauren as we go. With that, why don't we get started with our week in review and... You have Monday. I do have Monday, number 2430. What would the shark do? Uh, We get a long intro of the duplication investigation, which Andrew feels safe to play since Luke's not here. And Luke's the one who's... I didn't didn't remember that Luke wasn't that thrilled with uh, this drop, but Andrew loves it. So uh, we get a nice long, a long dose of LL Cool J. Let's put it that way. I like LL Cool J. I'm into it. Uh, he says he has overplanned the show because he's so nervous. He has so many things to cram into today. He's not sure about the rest of the the two weeks, the other nine episodes. But dang it, today is going to be jam-packed. Uh, Nick Jarin is the co-host today. I really, I like Nick. I think he's very positive and very yes and for the most part. And um, and And they have a really good rapport. So I like when he's on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk a little bit about what he's been up to and his work and web app developing and his podcast, Northwest Nerd, and why they're taking a break right at Comic-Con time, which is a little strange. <laughs> that would be like a podcast about commercials taking the week of the Super Bowl off. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> 
And they they continue a conversation that they had the last time that Nick was here about this box of Marvel tissues that Andrew has that he's jazzed about. It's like every time he buys Kleenex, he buys a, a little boy box and a big boy box. And he's got the Marvel ones. And he has some Star Wars ones, I think he was talking about. Uh, and he's on that last box of Marvel tissues. So now he's going to have to... Uh, He's going to have to come up with something new. And that was the first a hug your phone moment from Lauren about what she calls Andrew's tissue box scarcity fear. And she says she loves it for two reasons. It's adorable and such a totally Andrew thing. And she says, I share the same fear. I have these Halloween paper plates and cups with Peanuts characters on them. And I refuse to use them when Halloween rolls around because they were the last packs in the store. And they're seasonal and limited edition. But they're disposable serving items, not collectible items. One day when I'm dead, they'll find these in my house and think no one came to my party. Oh, <laughs> oh, Lauren. It gets a little dark at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to buy plain tissue because I don't, I don't know, because I'm no fun, I guess. No, you're not no fun. All the designs are ugly. That's why I- True. That's why I don't buy them. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I actually just grab a towel from the bathroom whenever I need a tissue. Bobby, I mean, I, I am steal in a hotel room. From, yeah, I steal them from hotels. <laughs> yeah. This, this is the new Zen Ann. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sure <laughs> Justin Trudeau <laughs> totally does it. Whatever. Uh, Nick has some keys to the show. I love it. I love the whole produced uh, theme, intro theme they have to Nick's keys to the show. And he has three keys today. Uh, number one, Nick says he needs some hand-holding because he's not that prepared for the show. Uh, Nick, this is TBTL. That's not a negative. <laughs> uh, two, he says he shouldn't derail the show. Again, not a problem. And three, nope. he says, we're, quote, going to have to hit the ball, Skip. <laughs> uh, so that... Uh, takes them into Andrew's new segment, which he keeps saying throughout the day or throughout the week that nobody likes it. I like this question of the day. I think it's great. Who has given negative feedback on it? I've seen just people on Facebook gushing about it. I think yeah. the, vo- the voice is in Andrew's head. Oh, I, th- okay. I think he's setting up something to knock down with that. And But yeah, this and all the other segments, uh, this is my spoiler alert for the week. The segments are great, even when they just intro them and then get distracted. That's mm-hmm. a joy from the olden days of TBTL that I was so glad to hear back. Yes, exactly. So we're going to get a question of the day every day. And today's question is, would you be a good filibusterer? And Nick's feedback is that he thinks Andrew would be good at it because he's heard him kind of get going and I guess ramble for a while on a particular subject. And Nick thinks that he he would need a prompt to be able to do it, but then he could do it. And Andrew says that he thinks that he might choke if he doesn't get immediate feedback on it. And then they uh, play just a little bit of the Patton Oswalt Parks and Rec clip where he's <laughs> doing a citizen filibuster where he's describing his view for the Star Wars slash Marvel slash... I guess it's the the comic book unifying theory is what it is, and I watched it again. It's over eight minutes that he does it. It's it's um it's pretty impressive, I have to say. So I guess this is the part where we answered the question, right? Uh, Meredith, would you be a good filibusterer? Um, as long as I didn't have to make a lot of sense, I could talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> On any particular subject, or 
Probably. Bobby? Yeah, healthcare reform, go. Um, <laughs> I think I, I mean, I, I, yes, yes. People have been listening to this show long enough that know that I can just talk and not shut up. I just talked about how we need to get over our TBTL funk for way too long just a few minutes ago. I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, I could go on and on about anything. <laughs> and we're al- you're allowed to like read books during filibusters. Like people have read cookbooks and stuff, right? Yeah. I could do that forever. Um, I think this was um, without help. I mean, I think Andrew yeah. sort of, he he leveled the bet so that there would be equal takers on both sides so that he could make the VIG as his profit on this question. <laughs> so he took away the books because that would be too easy. But even without a book, I think I, I if, if my childhood has taught me anything, it's all those people who told me to shut up were onto something. <laughs> I think for myself, it would be very situation specific. And one of the things that they say about introverts is that we don't always talk that much. But when you get us going on a topic that we're interested in, we can go for a long time. I, frankly, I don't like to hear myself talk for that long. After two or three minutes, if I'm telling a story, I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. What are you doing? But I think if I could sing the filibuster, I got it. No problem. I I don't see why you couldn't. So many songs going through my head all the time. I mean, if you want me to sing a little bit from the musical Annie, you want me to then move on to some Elton John, if you want me to sing The Little Mermaid, if you want me to sing The Elijah by Mendelssohn, I got it. It's I mean, I do want there. all of those things. So how, how do we make this happen? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's a that's a clip show. Okay. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> it's a clip show where Anne just records herself around the house for a week. Yeah, could I'd be. I'd listen to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of Frank Sinatra in my filibuster, I think. <sighs> um, <laughs> if only we knew of a podcast where people picked a bunch of songs on a theme hmm. and explored them as a group every week. Someone should do that. <laughs> well, so that's Monday's question of the day. Um, looking forward to the rest of the week of those. Uh, I was really surprised somehow that they started the donor thank yous again. I was like, oh, okay. I guess it is time. I feel like we just finished last year, but they have a lot of donors. And Andrew starts it out on a good note, I think, with the original thank you for being a friend from Andrew Gold. Uh, that's another one I'll sing. I'll sing that Golden Girls theme song. And then I was singing along with Andrew Gold and I was singing harmony when he got to the end of the <laughs> phrase. <laughs> There was some talk about that being a little too on the nose. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, it's the TV theme song. It's okay. Yeah. yeah They're supposed you know, to be on the nose. The oh, card is true. <laughs> You're a pal and a confidant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to start a pattern of mentioning all the the donors because, man, that'll get long. But uh, they Andrew did remark several times over the week how heavy on the Minnesota donors this was. And I know... Almost all of them, uh, inclu- including uh, Brad and Caroline Carlin. I just want to say uh, Caroline posts a lot on the Sense page, and Brad is the department chair for the Department of Biostatistics at the University of Minnesota. So, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Nice. There we go. Uh, top story for the day is an update on the whole Duck Island skate park fiasco. And despite a lot of citizen calls to leave it there or do something with it, the city is refusing to do it. And they're refusing to turn it into a giant bird bath. 
Um, I don't know exactly what the objections to that are, but I could understand they wouldn't want to do that. And um, they still don't know who the perpetrators of this crime are. And Nike has rescinded the, was it a $1,000 prize, I think? Yeah, some 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 nominal, I mean, not to say $1,000 isn't a lot of money, but it was some prize that was not nearly enough for the amount of effort this has all taken. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a coolness factor definitely came into the prize, I think. Yeah. Um, but Andrew thinks maybe the authorities aren't trying very hard, really, to find these people, because what's the point? It's just kids, right? And he reads a very good uh, post that came up on Facebook from Aaron, uh, who has worked in, I I forget exactly what she said, government and building and so forth, and how hard it is to get a legitimate structure built. And so the idea that these kids would go and build an unpermitted structure on public land is really not, it's not okay. And Andrew fully acknowledges all of this, that this is was not a good thing and they shouldn't have done it. But it still was kind of cool, wasn't it? <laughs> he still thinks that it should stay. And uh, this brings him to discussion of this uh, quarry swimming hole that he and Veeves went to in New Hampshire, which frankly sounds terrible mm-hmm. to me. Well, he talked about all the beer bottles and other paraphernalia Uh, lying around and that it was just a disaster waiting to happen. And the people there, I liked that he described them as buzzards of the community. (laughs) And you know exactly what kind of people he's talking about, right? And just what an amazing experience that he was glad to have. But still, it was probably a pretty, a pretty uh, dicey endeavor. Uh, So then we get to the second update of the week, the Michael Phelps versus the shark. Uh, and Luke was even more right than he thought when he called it bullshit because uh, they were speculating that they would film Phelps swimming and then they would film the shark swimming and they put them together. Well, it was a CGI shark. So the whole thing was just made up. Uh, just a publicity stunt for Shark Week. And I don't think any of us are surprised by that, right? No, I thought maybe there would be a shark in a different location yeah. maybe doing the same thing. But how do you get a shark to race? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when you go to the dog track and because, you know, I'm a degenerate and they just have, you know, like a rabbit on a pole that runs right. along the side of the track. You just uh, you just have the boat from Jaws just rushing down the side of the the orca. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Or something like that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I Shark Week is all just about marketing and hype for Shark Week, right? Mm-hmm. But somehow I thought that there would be a real shark involved somewhere. Shame on me for being naive about that. And then they move on to talking about scientists that straddle the line between uh, actually practicing hard science and also uh, popular accessibility was the way I phrased it in my notes, who can have the PBS special is the PBS special is that popular enough to be accessible I don't yeah, know but it's I think this is a sliding scale I think the PBS special is on the sort of the the middle of the respectability scale and Dr Oz is at the end of the respectability <laughs> scale yeah <laughs> 
and and Neil deGrasse Tyson probably does a pretty good job. Um, I would say Bill Nye, the science guy, veers more towards the popular accessibility because he's an engineer, right? He's not actually a hard scientist. Not that I have anything yeah. against Bill Nye. Fight the fight, Bill. Then they move into Nick's wheelhouse talking about Comic-Con. And of course, when we just say Comic-Con, we mean San Diego Comic-Con, the mothership, and how it's become a big uh, marketing and promotional apparatus for big studio movies. It's evolved from the true, genuine gathering and appreciation of comic books that it started out as. I know a fair amount about Comic-Con, not because I've ever been there, but because my brother goes every year, because that is his world. And he just uh, posted on Facebook a big picture of him grinning, sitting in the captain's chair for the new Star Trek <laughs> series that's <laughs> going to be coming out. So that's his, his happy place. Um, and they talk about a bunch of things that Nick is excited for. Um, so I've never heard of this Netflix movie Bright starring Will Smith, which was a thriller buddy cop fantasy movie. I assume that neither of you had heard about this one. No. No. It seems strange to me. I can't imagine how they're going to make that work in one two-hour movie and not a ten-episode series but we'll see uh they talk a little bit about uh, thor ragnarok coming out and marvel movies in general and andrew makes a very good point i thought that the marvel superhero movies have moved from being an action with comedy to comedies and nick said it's yeah because the comedies is what sells them i'm kind of an indifferent mm -hmm. comic book watcher i have no problem going to see any of them and again with my brother i have seen uh, many, many, many of them when he's wanted somebody to go with him. But I don't know. I get tired. I don't think they're doing anything new. I saw Wonder Woman and I was like, I, yeah, it's fine. Everybody else seemed to really love it. And I was like, it's pretty much the same movie, just with a lady. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm complaining about that because she's pretty rad, but I would have liked to see something a little different. Um, they're excited about Stranger Things 2 coming out, another round of 80s nostalgia, and also The Defenders on Netflix, which is like the B-level Avengers. Um, and I saw all the um, the random, the different components to that. There are four different standalone superheroes, and then this is where they're all coming together. And so that might be interesting. But uh, that is Geek Talk. All I wrote for that in my notes was that Nick sure knows his stuff. He does. <laughs> yeah, he does. That, I mean, and I, I appreciated that. It was probably a little bit longer than it needed to be for me. But um, I, I, you know, it was great. I uh, I enjoyed the I enjoyed hearing about something I would know nothing about. I mean, I grew up on Star Trek The Next Generation, and I, I have an appreciation for the Star Trek franchise because of that. But into the comic book world, I'm so lost. And I was telling my mom this yesterday because we were talking about how this was such a big topic this week and all these comic book movies and, you know, kids these days and their damn comic books and their <laughs> whatever. And she just, Nintendo Power Gloves. Yeah, she just yeah. looked at me and she was like, I got you a Sega Genesis when you were in elementary school and you just didn't care. Like you used it once. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't. I guess I just knew deep down inside that there there's a real world out there. <laughs> Some wise man many years later would tell me mm. this on CBS, but 
Uh, it's in 3D, I think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I know more about the Avengers, the original British TV show, than I do about the the comic book franchise. But if if Iron Man is on TV, like I'll watch it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam was watching uh, Civil War, whichever one of them is the Civil War one, the other day when I was home, and it was just on, and so I watched it. But if somebody puts it in front of me and says, this is good, you'll like it, then I'll give it a try. So thanks, sure. Nick. And uh, let me just say how refreshing it is to have somebody on the show who really knows what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was a breath of fresh air. I, I will say I was thinking about a little bit uh, what Luke often says that he finds the superhero movies unsatisfying because there are there are no costs to them. Uh, they're having a giant fight on the streets of Manhattan and people are being thrown into buildings and windows are shattering and chunks of concrete are falling and then everybody's okay. And so without the real world consequences, there's, I, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter very much. But would you watch me. a movie about insurance claims? <laughs> like, I mean, I think there's a reason they don't include that stuff. It's pure fantasy. And the the consequences are boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there there's some of that, like in Wolverine, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the latest Wolverine, he doesn't come out very well at the end of that one. <laughs> Well, and and that's actually one of the things that's interesting about the the defenders is that these are people that have to live in the aftermath of what happened and there's not a lot of charity towards superheroes because of the incredible mm. havoc they wreak while saving the universe. And I will say if people haven't watched Jessica Jones, um David Tennant is the villain in that and he is literally the scariest villain that I've ever seen in my life. I w- it was really hard to watch sometimes. So um and that w- that's a little bit more on a smaller scale than all the the Marvel stuff. So I can get into some superheroes sometimes. Oh, and the other thing uh, that Andrew says is that he thinks he might be in love with Mark Ruffalo and I I was like <laughs> you and me both. Pal, I've heard him described as the thinking woman's heartthrob. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Getting into the emails for the day, there's a voicemail from Brian about the moldy marinara. Uh, He doesn't actually want to talk about the moldy marinara. His voicemail amounts to cheese sticks, which I think is what we were all saying and what we said on the recap last week. Really, Andrew? You're eating cheese sticks. And Andrew's like, yeah, I know. It's my thing. When they're hot, when they're kind of melty, then that works for him. And then they get into a tangent about French dip sandwiches. Uh, Then the email from Jared on the ongoing topic of public restrooms is um, that Jared would rather use a public restroom than destroy his own bathroom. And I thought, well, that's a different way to look at it. I... I can see how you could go for that. I don't know that I agree. Well, I can see that if you've got a roommate, especially given, you know, he may have a, a different kind of bathroom situation um, where where he would want to escape his roommate. <laughs> All I could think when I heard this was that um, that drop from 30 Rock from Jenna saying, love yes. is going downstairs to the Burger King to poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And this gets them into a little bit of a conversation about talking to your partner while you're in the bathroom. Are you okay with having a conversation while you're on the toilet with somebody else? And they both agree that they are not. And I don't have a significant other, but I did have a roommate once uh, in our bathroom. It was in the dorms still, but we had a like a private bathroom for six of us. And there was a bathroom stall and a shower stall and a sink. And one of my roommates had three sisters. So the four girls and their mom all shared a bathroom growing up. And so she had a no problem coming in while you were in the bathroom doing whatever and talking to you. And I'd be like, oh my God, Janine, can this wait five minutes, please? <laughs> it's funny because I would absolutely not do this with Duff. Like, you know, hold on, I'll be be with you in a moment. Uh, I don't want to talk to him in the bathroom at all. But I did this with my, my girlfriends when I was in like middle school and high school. No problem. Like we would all just, like we would, we would be having a conversation. One of us had to go and we would all just move the conversation to the bathroom. <laughs> uh. I think we have a we have not discussed it, but I think Sam and I have a pretty solid policy on this. If the bathroom door is closed, fully closed, then then that's your time. Mm-hmm. And if the bathroom door is slightly ajar, then talking or running in to grab something is fair game. And that's not for toilet time because we both close the door always for toilet time. In fact, uh, she did mention to me once that she was in there and the cat came barging in. The litter box is also in the bathroom. The cat came barging in and I just looked at her and I said, do you have the door open? <laughs> and she goes, I, w- I was home alone. And I was like, yeah, but you had the door open? I closed the bathroom door even if I'm the only person in the house. Really? Just out of habit? I don't know. But yeah, definitely. What if somebody breaks through the first three doors and I'm pooping? That's true. <laughs> See? so That's a good thought. Uh yeah, so I think we both do that, but like mainly for showers. Like if it's in the morning and we're both getting ready and it's a quick shower situation, then I might leave the door open to sort of say to her, yeah, if you need to come in and grab your, you know, whatever, that's cool. Because it's a really small bathroom. It's not a big enough bathroom where we would both be in there side by side anyway. But mm-hmm. that's, you know, easy policy. Door closed, you're screwed. Go away. Door open, do what you're going to do. We have a no no toilet shower same time situation Oh, absolutely not. People do. I know. What are we, animals? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Animals who know how to use indoor plumbing. (laughs) (laughs) We are kind of that. (laughs) And then they they end the show for Monday with the tease for tomorrow, which I think a lot of people were excited to get into, which is uh, hashtag Jason and Lewis parking (laughs) note. And the Wallingford parking saga continues. And it continues with me, 2431, put it all on the hot dog. Uh, It's a bit of a misleading title because I would say only a minority of this episode is hot dog story. Um, (laughs) Nick Jarn is back and we start with talking about how he went to Filipino Heritage Night at the Mariners and is very excited about the hat he got. Um, I looked it up. It is an attractive hat if you're into both the Mariners and your Filipino pride. Um, and I am. Yeah, I'm 0 for 2 on that. I mean, I have a problem with either of those things, but I probably wouldn't be uh, choosing them over other teams and heritages. So it's not for me, but Nick was very excited. Uh, and I need to find it in my notes here. 
he was going on and on about how funny it was because they were all in the same sections, much like a TVTL night at the Mariners or any other group sales kind of activity. And one guy walking through was it the concourse or on the stairs just stopped and said, man, look at all of these Filipinos, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, really on the nose, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then Nick continues to impress us, dazzle us with uh, filling in for Luke in a slam dunk pointers segment, uh, dissecting the Curtis Blow uh, basketball song, uh, because Andrew's not sure if all the different names and techniques, I guess, that are name checked in that song are legitimate or not. And Nick sandbags a little bit. He first says, oh, you know, I don't know. It's from before I was born. Song came out in the early 80s. He was born in 1989, which makes me feel old. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he goes ahead and breaks down every name and play and maneuver mentioned in the song with elegance and grace. That yeah, was just off impressive. the top of his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he really, uh, he really nailed the slam dunk pointers segment. Andrew mentions, um, I, I have this out of context with my notes. You'll have to help me. I guess I'm being a little bit like Mike this week. All I wrote was fat man dancing with hot dog and mascot. So very Andrew. <laughs> Fat man dancing. Well, that's okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this was just like a passing thing in the middle of the conversation about food at Safeco because Andrew was very excited to retell about the hot dog vendor outside who would let you have as much tinfoil as you want and all the toppings you can handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nick was Don't forget the napkins. He, right. Please. Or the towels. And uh, this is because Nick notes that the Filipinos all seem to be eating chili and cornics. So they're really taking the bringing your own snacks to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slam Dunk Pointers goes on for a while. Then we get a Lyft commercial. Uh, we come back for your question of the day uh, with a reminder of the inspiration of this segment, which is the card that Ross Reynolds keeps in his wallet that asks, is bowling a sport? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a wonderful observation, which is, why does he need the card at this point? True. That's a, that's a pretty good, well yeah. burned into his mind. Uh, and today's question of the day, uh, would you go back to age six with all of the knowledge and life experience you have now and relive starting at age six? Ugh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't mind. Well, no, I would do like zero to five again. I don't, I don't think I'd want to do six and up. I don't, and I was just saying this to a friend the other day because I was in Grand Rapids and I was seeing some of my old high school friends and, and I was saying, I don't think you could pay me enough money to go back and be a teenager or an early 20s again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never again. Um, so, no. Anne? Yeah, I think I agree. A lot of that was really unhappy for me. And I, I don't have the confidence that uh, I would be able to affect a different outcome if I went back and tried it again. I'm not sure what I would do differently to make it better. So, I'd, I mean, God, who wants a do-over on stuff that was Ugh. miserable? Yeah. You, know? you also get the uh, – well, so there's two sides to this. One is there's the uh, fear of the butterfly effect, which is not addressed too much in this question, but like, you know – you, you turn left instead of right on a walk at some point when you're nine years old and when you vanish, yeah, the yeah. whole thing disappears. <laughs> right. uh, on the other hand, can you pull a Biff Tannen and like, can you, can you just get 
can you remember all your Super Bowl winners and scores oh. from age six forward? And well, yeah, just, that's the question, right? Like, right. do you have the knowledge of how your life turned out already so that you kind of know what you need to do differently? Do you know, you know, the outcome? Like, would you buy Google stock? Right, or Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, get in early on plastics. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it says all the knowledge you have now, but I don't know. We're our mistakes, right? We learn from those things. I would probably be a giant asshole if I hadn't learned that being a giant asshole is a terrible thing, and now I'm only yeah. a moderate asshole. So, you know, those things are important. I, I think my answer is no. Both of their answers were no. Um, it's sort of a weirder question to dissect in that way. But it was interesting. You know, it spawned mm-hmm. a few minutes of, of conversation. Um, Andrew basically outlines that it would get you more time on Earth. That's the positive. But he would still get bullied. That's the negative. On <laughs> <laughs> uh, our top story, which is Wallingford parking wars. Um, Andrew got a note. I think it was Saturday on his car. And he tweeted the picture of it, basically sarcastically thanking him for not parking in two spots. Right. Um, but with the picture of the note in the foreground and the parked car and space behind it in the background, it is very obvious that Andrew could have not tried much harder to not take up two spots. He is very clearly only in one spot, which Mm -hmm. leads a lot of questions about this note that is on stationary from the wedding of hashtag Jason and Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, you put your investigatory cap on a little bit this week and tried to track down a little bit of Jason and Lewis information. I did. There is a Jason and Lewis. I forget if it was on the knot or something. Basically, I Googled the Jason and Lewis wedding or something and it came up and it's this adorable, adorable couple. But they seem to be in, in New York. They met in New Jersey, uh, live in New York. And I thought, well, it could, it's a wet, it could be a wedding guest that came from the West Coast to go to the wedding. But I think the thing that scuttles it is that on the note, it says Jason and Lewis established 2017. And their wedding was like October of 2016. So I don't think they're the mm-hmm. right Jason and Lewis. But I'd like to believe it was. I posted for you guys the picture. It must have been like a Christmas card picture of them wearing their Christmas sweaters that had each other's faces on it. (laughs) Yeah, Jason and Lewis don't seem like the kind of dicks who would write this note. (laughs) No, they do not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there are some working theories here. Uh, Theory number one, somebody genuinely thinks Andrew's in the wrong and left this note on his car. Mm-hmm. Theory number two is that this note was left on someone else's car, and then that person, in an angry huff, removed it from his or her vehicle and put it on Andrew's car, which Andrew dismisses because of how complicated his windshield wipers are. So that's something to consider. And then the third option is that someone is fucking with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything Anything you'd like to say about that, Bobby? Would you care to issue a statement? I have been very busy this last couple of weeks. I have not had a chance to be in Seattle. Trust me, if I'd been in Seattle, you would know. (laughs) There would be pictures of delicious Seattle food instead of pictures of butter tarts and and all-dressed potato chips and Tim Hortons. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if it is a prank, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Um, But if it was a 10, wouldn't it be essential for them to use pink ink? Yeah. 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 
Exactly. So, so the lesson that I learned from this is that if I want to write a nasty parking note, I need to like write a description of the car or the license plate on the note so that they can't transfer it to somebody else's mm. car. Yeah, that's a good idea. Get your grown up car out of this yeah. <laughs> spot. Uh, the reason Andrew is in such a tight spot where he parked is because if he gets any closer to the driveway, he's worried that he'll get in trouble for that. And the driveway that he's parked up against, I believe, is the home of SUV owners. And Andrew gives a scathing hot tag, a hot take, quote, if you can't drive an SUV, drive a smaller car. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, because he wants to keep the turn radius as clear as possible. And then Andrew, for his part, takes it out and leaves it in someone's yard under a rock just to keep the cycle going Uh, and is vowing to disengage. He wants to de-escalate all of this uh, parking frustration, anger, note writing, passing. Um, Genevieve is adamantly anti-note in these situations. But Andrew notes that back in his days when he was staying with the um, super hot French model at his Airbnb in L.A., um, that he got a very polite note once, uh, and it actually did change his behavior. So he sees mm-hmm. some value in writing notes. I just think that Andrew is the one in a million people who might change their behavior from a passive-aggressive note like that. Don't you think that for the vast majority of people, all that's going to do is escalate and these with these whole... Wallingford parking wars. That's what's happened. Nobody's changed their behavior. Everybody's mm-hmm. just gotten angry. Yeah. Well, if it's an anonymous thing in the grocery store, I can see a note at least being satisfying to the note lever. But if it's your neighbors, you know who they are and you can talk to them. And that's the only way to solve that problem. Yeah. Right. And you have to live with them. Yeah. It's worth it's worth that confrontation. I know he doesn't like confrontation. I don't either. But in these cases, I think it's worth it. Yep. Yep. You know, and also the note that he got in L.A. sounded like it was super polite mm-hmm. versus the note that was left on his car in Wallingford, which was blatantly sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a tone issue here. You could tell somebody they're wrong and do it in a sarcastic tone and their first reaction is still going to be to think that you're a dick. So because you are. And yeah. so, you know, you're not going to get anything positive done by by starting out so cruel. Uh, On to cruelty from Microsoft. Uh, They dangled the threat of eliminating the program Paint, MS Paint, after three decades of it existing. I think Paint Paint was our first uh, universal experience as people growing up around our age of learning how to to screw around on computers before games were really a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The follow-up file on this is that they're not going to get rid of it. You're going to have to go download it yourself, and they're not going to update it, but it'll still be out there. Uh, And this leads Andrew to bemoan the state of modern software, saying that it is bad. Um, He's upset that you everything's going to a subscription model. He's having issues with Microsoft Office between his computer and not having a download. He he does most things with workarounds through Google and that. We do the same thing. I mean, our run sheets are in Google Sheets, and I use Google Docs a lot, but... At the end of the day, when you're a professional, you still have to have Microsoft Office. Yep, you do. Yep. Uh, Andrew notes that he is no longer, quote, an asshole pirate um, <laughs> who steals software and might be the most quotable thing out of context this week. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I emailed Andrew and I just said, hey, um, you work for a nonprofit. I work for a nonprofit. I get nonprofit licensing for Microsoft Office. If you want it for $30, let me know. Um, but he told me that he had it figured out with his Office 2007 running. So he's okay. Well, he also works for a corporation. And if he needs it for work, they will pay for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a matter of setting it up in HR and yeah. IT and... Well, yeah. just yeah, getting it re- yeah. reimbursed. I've got it for I think nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's what I got mine for too. Guys, I paid thirty dollars. I had resisted it for a long time because I didn't want to deal with it. I was just using like yeah. Word Starter or something stupid that you couldn't do anything with. Yep. And finally, I was like, "All right, I'm going to go to the University of Minnesota Marketplace and see what this is going to cost me." And it said nine ninety five, and I was like, "Well, fuck." Why didn't I do this three years ago? <laughs> well, and what is the cost otherwise? Isn't it a hundred, couple hundred dollars? Yeah. Right? It's high. That's ridiculous. So what happens with nonprofits and educational places is that you're you're probably actually paying an admin fee. Um, mm-hmm. the, the product has been donated, quote unquote, to the school. And then you're just paying for whatever processing to make it all happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's such a racket. You know, let let the big companies pay for those massive overpriced licenses for that software. We, you know, all of us work for either schools or nonprofits of some kind. There's no reason we should get taken advantage of. I bemoaned uh, Adobe the same way. I have the Creative Suite. I think I pay 20 bucks a month to have the Creative Suite, mainly so that I can Photoshop uh, Jeremy's head on different things. <laughs> and... You know, and also for some work stuff. And that's the nonprofit rate. It's 50 bucks a month if you're not the nonprofit rate. So I'm all for it. Um, I know that later in the week, um, Andrew apologizes for his tone a little bit on this episode. And he was a little down on himself for sort of taking that so seriously. I completely agree with him. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We get into Mustache Gate, which is more comic book (laughs) movie talk. Uh, because Superman can't have a mustache, but the actor playing Superman sure does have a mustache and he needs it contractually for another movie. Um, this is another one of those moments where I sort of glazed over a little bit in the details of a comic book movie, but again, was certainly glad that Nick knew what he was talking about. And I guess the, the nuts and bolts of this so that DC is going to be paying, uh, a crap load of money to digitally remove this mustache, <laughs> Well, I couldn't decide if I was happy or sad that Luke wasn't here because then we were spared slash denied a retelling of the story about Cesar Romero playing the Joker in the Batman TV series and how he kept his mustache and they just put the white Joker makeup over it. He's told that story several times and this was like a prime position for him to tell it again. Mm-hmm. I feel like we just heard it. I'm fine with it not <laughs> reappearing. <laughs> Uh, It did get me thinking, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember when Michael Jordan did commercials for um, Hanes. Sure. And just had this this Hitler mustache. Yep. (laughs) Out of nowhere. He just shows up. And and I've always wondered, do you know, when when Michael Jordan shows up to film your commercial and he just comes out of nowhere, like, I don't think they asked him to grow a Hitler mustache. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) If Michael Jordan shows up on set and just has that mustache, how do you go to him and say, uh, Michael, could you, uh, (laughs) and my guess is that just no one had the 
the guts to do it. And so I wouldn't result, do it. <laughs> as a result, you just get Michael Jordan with a Hitler mustache in your commercials. Yep. You know, who's going to tell him he can't, especially with the contracts being the way they are. Mm-hmm. That rounds out. Tuesday accepted email where a listener has written in and said, I would love a segment on uh, cleaning from Andrew since he loves to putter and clean so much. I would, you know, I guess it's tips and techniques. Um, it's, it's sort of the uh, Andrew red book cleaning special segment. Um, and I think that would actually be a lot of fun. Although you did point out and a flaw in his cleaning technique. I, I was so shocked because the way that Andrew talks about his neat nick tendencies and the way he cleans and, you know, he's talked about it takes all day to clean the bathroom or whatever, that he stated he cleans the bathroom once every two months? Months? I, ca- I can't imagine. I mean, That's it's crazy. I, it's just me here. No cats, cat fur, any of that. And after about Oh, nine days, I start feeling a little grossed out by the state of the sink. I clean my bathroom every two weeks without fail. And I mean, I'm not here to like crap on anybody's, you know, lifestyle choices, because I guess you you do what you can manage to do. But two months? I'm so yeah, given that he's such a clean freak, that does surprise me. My hope is that because he defines cleaning as such an intense process that a quick bleach wipe run over counter wipe down uh, doesn't count as as cleaning for him. Okay. Maybe, maybe yeah. I mean this is a benefit of the doubt argument but 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 maybe a quick uh, polish and wipe and garbage empty and all that. You know, maybe that's just the natural course of things for him and then the every two months is the pull everything out, rent the rent the high-pressure washer. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it takes him eight hours to clean his bathroom when he finally gets around to right. it. <laughs> um, I've never liked it, but have you guys tried those products where, like, at the end of the last shower of the day, you just spray down the shower every day, and it's supposed to, like, clean it, and then it rinses off when you use the shower again? Uh, yeah, I do. bubbles type stuff. Yeah, I use the method version of that, and it just keeps, you know, it just stretches the tile. I, I, that's probably the chore that I would hate, uh, that I hate the most, is scrubbing tile. Let's keep your powder dry on that. We're getting there. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, it, it, it stretches out the time between those those chores. Well, until we get there, Meredith, why don't you take us to Wednesday, 2432? 2432 is wrong, Ziggy. Um, Andrew is at Cairo, and Aaron Mason is the guest host. And um, Andrew immediately vows to be more positive today. He apologizes for Tuesday's show, um, says that he was kind of disappointed in in, uh, the things that he said, especially about parking, Um, but just his tone in general. I didn't think it was that bad, but... um, I didn't think it was bad at all. I thought I was the one in Canada. He doesn't need to apologize. It was... (laughs) It was a good episode, and I think that his anger and frustration was validated and and immediately by Nick and afterward by the listeners and perfectly reasonable. Yeah, that's what this show is for, right? Aaron says that he's going to try to not be such a bull in a china shop on the show by uh, giving people space to talk and have their feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, he, he does railroad people sometimes in the past on other shows, um, but, uh, I enjoyed him today. Um, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um, 
Andrew talks about how he's been staying up really late, like staying up almost all night and then sleeping all day. And uh, then mentioned that he has been kind of trying to reverse that trend by walking. It sounds like wa- walking Vives to to work, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was about a three mile trip each way. So that's a pretty that's a pretty good way to start his day if he's trying to walk more. Yeah, I think so. We move on um, almost immediately to the question of the day, which is a pretty interesting one. It's if you could have a recording of a moment in your life in the past, what would it be? Um, Andrew asks Aaron this, and Aaron just lists a bunch of stuff he doesn't want to remember. (laughs) (laughs) He sort of missed the point of the question a little bit there. (laughs) I was waiting for him to get to it, but he talks about, like, you know, stuff about his divorce, um, but, you know, when he was less emotionally mature, uh, you know, religious stuff. And, and I sort of wrote down that he's answering the opposite of the question. <laughs> uh, and But he does say that he kind of would like to compare and contrast um, what he thinks now to his past self. Um, Andrew obviously had thought about this, and he wants a recording of he and Vive's origin story, which was so cute. Mm-hmm. This was probably the highlight of the week for me. He talks about how it was his second night in New Hampshire and he and Veeves had a date and she slept over and then he had to go to his job the next day, his new job, like brand new job. And that was something that Lauren had touched on in one of her throw your phones or hug your phones, that this was super cute. And she was surprised that he had uh, structured it this way, given how anal he is about like having everything perfect on the first day of work and 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 things like that. His like his buffer days and things. Yeah, which which tells me that either he was different then or he he was super into Vives. Mm-hmm. So very cute either way. The, the the conflict is who asked whom to be their boyfriend girlfriend. So they both think that they had done it. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as mine, I was thinking about this and and not to bite Andrew's style, but um, I met Duff when I was thirteen, and I have uh, just a kind of a vague memory of how that went, and and I think that would be really cool to have to to be able to see and or listen to that first conversation that we had. Yeah, I, despite having all week to think about an answer to this question, this is one uh, that I, I don't know. I I think. Probably because of the way that um, camcorder tape from that store in the 90s was making the rounds. And they talked about it on TBTL and it's popped up on some other shows too. The, all the all the Seattle-centric shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'd almost rather it just be something kind of candid like that. And, and these guys got into a whole conversation about how candid photos mean so much more to them than staged photos. Um I guess just me being an idiot, goofy child, like (laughs) I never recorded radio shows per se, but we made, um, we made movies. I had friends that made movies. We made a, a full length feature contemporary remake of great expectations when I was in middle school. Uh, wow. That's ambitious. Pip was a burger flipper at a restaurant called McVittles, but he wanted to be a vegetarian (laughs) punk drummer. It was a whole thing. So <laughs> the conflict was there. Um, I don't, I, th- I think just a video of us sort of, um, like if somebody had handed me a camcorder in middle school and said, here you go, goof around for an hour, like that would be a tape I'd want back because I'm sure we would have just come up with whatever we could on short notice. I don't think I have a specific moment. My courtship with Sam's story is very simple. I mean, it's complicated, but she asked me out after I wore her down. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> 
you know, I, I give in to the fact that she asked me out and she loves telling people that. But I remind her that I shot rubber bands at her for the better half of a year first. <laughs> you know, we had TV class in high school and we used to just take the cameras and goof around. Um, and I don't know where those tapes are. I bet they're still somewhere at school. I should have gone and checked when I was there. Curses. Yeah, you Dang definitely it, should have been the weird adult roaming around a school rummaging through <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, people love that. Well, and we did. We had we did the morning announcements, and I was I was usually behind the scenes. I'm better behind the scenes person, but I was the talent, so called talent, every once in a while, where I read the morning announcements. So I would the those do exist somewhere. So I w- I would like to see those again. You sound like Mike explaining why he can't edit the podcast. <laughs> And do you have a thing that you would want to watch back? Um, I do. When I was a sophomore in college, I had my first real solo. And uh, I had had little things and kid things and whatever up to that point. And uh, uh, for all my choir nerds out there, my choir was doing the John Rutter Requiem. And I had the solo in the P.A. Yesu. And it was me and a choir and a full orchestra and an audience and my parents didn't come to see it and it was a really important moment for me and uh i would like to have a recording of that so that my parents would see it but that's kind of a downer of one. Oh, i don't know whether <laughs> they didn't want to make the 12-hour drive to cleveland well that's a long drive but that that's something that you were that you were excited about, right? And it was important to you. So Yeah, it was. It was really important to me. And it's just my parents are very practical. So mm-hmm. they weren't gonna do that. Yeah. Um, Andrew talks about how he would like a walkthrough of his old house when he was a kid and kind of to go into the nooks and crannies where he used to hang out and make forts and stuff. And he's kind of nostalgic for those um those everyday places. Um and Aaron points out that it wouldn't really be special if we could just pull all that stuff up on YouTube, but that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it made me think about how, especially since I was back home, that really being back home is kind of um, both a place and a time. And, you know, there's no, obviously no going back uh, to that exactly. So it's never going to be the same. So, you know, and but I think that ties back in with how it's nice to have those candid photos um, when I recorded the show in my bedroom at my mom's house, I was um, sitting in front of a wall of fr- framed photos, and some of them are staged and some of them weren't. But even the staged ones um, bring back some memories. Like there were some photos we took uh, right after my parents' divorce was happening, and we were about to move, and they wanted to get some pictures of all of us on the front porch of our old house for some reason. Like, what a terrible idea. But, I, you know, we all look happy, but I remember very clearly just being like, this is horrible. <laughs> you know, that was a staged photo that definitely has a lot of memories attached to it. And they weren't really all that happy because um, we were about to leave that house, and I loved that house. So let's just keep bringing it down to Sad Town. <laughs> On Wednesday. Well, and I don't really identify that much the way Andrew really does with a particular place. Because, you know, he talks about my childhood home so much. But we moved mm-hmm. every two to three years. So I think I never made that long-term connection with a place. 
Yeah, I get what you're saying. I had that connection to my first house. That was the zero to five house. And then after that, I was like, oh, this isn't permanent. I can't. And I have never felt that same way about a house. But I would totally go buy that house again Aww. if it was for sale. <laughs> That's how attached I am to it. It's part of your real estate empire in Detroit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it's in Grand Rapids, but I would summer there. <laughs> sure. Um, Andrew does talk about how he found an accidental video of his old basement that he took. Um, that kind of seems to fulfill the the desire that he was mm-hmm. wanting to record random parts of his house, and it kind of brought back a lot of memories. Um, but they also talk about how cool it is when people record off the TV and leave the old commercials in. And I'm not surprised that Andrew, right. you know, founder of After These Messages, <laughs> is more into the commercials. But I agree. Those are fun, especially local ones that n- wouldn't necessarily be on YouTube that you know, were kind of ubiquitous in your childhood. Uh, car dealerships and things like that. I, sure. I really like yeah. those. Those are fun. Uh, before we continue, can I jump in with a couple of things that I uh, was remiss? I, I would be remiss not to mention I... I we got so wrapped up when I was doing Tuesday that I forgot to do our throw and hug your phone moments from Tuesday. And then I'll also do Wednesdays, Lauren's uh, for Wednesday. So first Tuesday, listener Ashley, our only throw your phone of the whole week, um, just wrote, oh, my God, I can't. All one word. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing Andrew realize there are two Isaiah Thomases is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she write Isaiah's Thomas? Oh, yes. Excuse me. Isaiah. That's why I stumbled, because it only said Thomas, and I thought maybe she had just missed the possessive now. Hearing Andrew realize there are two Isaiah's Thomas is killing me. So, well done, <laughs> Ashley. Uh, and then also, Lauren, uh, for Tuesday, wrote, Andrew is adorably slap happy, and he's got a whole fun basketball song, Close Feet segment planned, which Nick totally dominates. Um, he, She mainly just celebrates... Uh, they're they're buddying up in this, which was really great. And uh, he notes, it made me laugh really hard, as did Andrew's assertion that, quote, I think in another universe, I'm still telling that story, referring to bringing the outside hot dog into Safeco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, the whole hot dog story thing's gotten so meta. <laughs> yep. Uh, and now Wednesdays is well-timed here. Um, Andrew and Genevieve's origin story, no matter who asked whom to be or to quote be boyfriend girlfriend first is just really great. Also the fact that Andrew moved into his place that Saturday had a sleepover with Vives the next night and then started his brand new job that Monday morning stresses me out so much. I'm really surprised she didn't cancel on her or postpone the date to the following weekend. I would have, I'm proud of him for taking all that on knowing how stressed he gets about the order of his home and having his things go perfectly at work. And then she also loved the Hanks Hanks or Hayes quiz that we're going to talk about. Um, I just mentioned this also because I just wanted to say, let's give Andrew some credit. He's got some game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First date, official <laughs> date. I mean, they've been corresponding a lot, so not really a first date, but you know, Andrew right. knows they'd, what he likes. They'd hung out before. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, they, they first official date. Yeah. So way to go, Andrew. Yeah, really. And the way he talks about his interactions with women up to that point i think he was really into her yeah yep absolutely all right top story for today is this snope story about the couple who started it have gotten divorced and now they're having some problems with their contracts um and they have raised uh almost six hundred fifty thousand dollars for a legal defense it sounds like in two days 
Um, this was less interesting to me than, than talking about fact checking. Um, I am definitely guilty of having posted Snopes links on people's Facebook posts, but I don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> I had no idea you were friends with my mom. <laughs> I am kind of a um, a stickler for that stuff, and when I see obviously false things, uh, I can't I can't just let it go, and I don't do it for like opinion things. But you know, one of one of Duff's relatives recently posted something about how margarine was created to fatten up turkeys before slaughter, which is such an easily disproved thing. I just couldn't let it sit there, and I may have pissed her off, and then we stayed at her house in Traverse City. Um, but stuff like that, I just can't. I just can't, and I don't feel bad about correcting it because it's just so obviously wrong and. If you can stop the spread of misinformation, I think that's fine. Right. It's less about um, being superior or saying I'm right than saying, no, these are the facts. Yeah. As a scientist, you you want accuracy. I don't care about who's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, they talk about um, how Snopes has debunked <laughs> a picture of Tom Hanks wearing a T-shirt with political slogans. It was just a photoshopped picture. Um, but that does bring us nicely into our Hanks, Hanks, and Hayes quiz, which I want to call Sloppy Seconds Quiz, which is something that uh, uh, Aaron <laughs> called it. Because Andrew made it for Nick, but saved it for <laughs> Can we Aaron. Just so uh, I need to bring up a Stens page thing. Um uh, Mike McCauley, who will now listen to this episode because he'll have somehow We've, heard that I said his him. name. Yep. Yeah. Um, he posted a screen cap. This was several, it was a week ago now, I think, a screen cap from Urban Dictionary of the term raw dog after oh after we uh, had a discussion after TBTL used the term a few too many times for comfort. Mm-hmm. And that led to a sprawling conversation about people who thought it was like people didn't know what it meant or people did know what it meant and laughed at the people who didn't know what it meant. And then there were some people who were uncomfortable with the fact that that was even posted because the language is coarse, I, which I think it would have to be at that point to really do it justice. Um, but a whole sort of secondary conversation on that thread was about this mention of the term sloppy seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's another mm-hmm. bad one. Yeah. So uh, it, it, I think it just applies to, um, somebody's octopus at the bar so it's okay right yeah, right yeah that's right. what it was yeah. meant to I, I think the meaning has become a little bit uh, more muddled or slightly more acceptable for use in common conversation and i i think the alliteration is a big part of it it's just such a good mm-hmm. alliterative phrase that it's sort of slipping a little bit into the public consciousness whereas raw dog Ugh. No, that can stay oh. in Urban Dictionary. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about Chet Hayes before we get into this quiz. Um, for anyone who isn't familiar, uh, he's the worst. He's a <laughs> uh, a rapper, a white guy who uh, wanted to use the N-word. Didn't understand quite why that was not okay. Sounds like he did a bunch of coke, went to rehab, um, and then uses uh, that the fact that he's a rapper for justification of why he should be able to use the N-word. And now it sounds like he wants to be able to call uh, women bitches without us getting all hysterical about it. Which, uh, exactly. Without us getting all bitchy about it. Right. So he sounds like a gem. Um, and, and, you know, and the guys talk about you can say whatever you want. Um, you know, no one's passing laws saying he can't say the N-word or, or call us bitches, but um, there are consequences. And that's that's always how that free speech argument goes. No one is, is restricting your, your freedom of speech. 
by saying you maybe shouldn't say something, um, but but you have to live with the uh, blowback from that. And it sounds like there was quite a bit. Um, so he's a gem. Also, he they played that little clip of him. And he referred to women as females, which Ugh. is like exactly when I stop listening to somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I feel uh, no compunction about just writing him off uh, 100%. Um, so anyway, the quiz was uh, quotes from either Tom Hanks, Colin Hanks, or Chet Hayes. And he threw in a surprise quote from Chris Hayes, which was a delight. <laughs> And uh, Aaron did very well on that quiz. That was fun. Yes. I would say my criticism of the quiz is that Andrew needed to randomize the quotes a little bit more because it went Tom, Colin, Chet, Tom, Colin, Chet. Right, right. So I... You, you could start to see the pattern and that was really helping me with my answers a lot. A couple of times a year, we'll get a final question in trivia where the final question will be like, put these four things in order from earliest to most recent mm-hmm. from history. And we will be given the clues in the correct order. And I'm always a little queasy at that point because people are going to accuse me of having a trick question or messing with them. And on one hand, I'm like, well, of course we are a little bit. But on the other hand, just statistically, it's bound to happen eventually. Sure. sure. Unless we actively avoid it. And so, uh Yeah. You know, maybe he just thought that all the answers should be C, just once or similar, (laughs) you know. Oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, Andrew's really terrible Hank Hill impression. (laughs) I put the quote in the the run sheet, but I don't want to read it. (laughs) I'm not going to do the impression, but he says, I just want to sell kerosene and say the (laughs) N-word. He doesn't sell kerosene, he sells propane. (laughs) Come on. Um, emails for the day. We get one from uh, listener Scott uh, referring back to the question of the day about uh, filibuster, suggesting that since uh, Luke is out, this is Andrew's quote, fill in a buster. Uh, pretty pretty good, good, Scott. If I pretty had good. a rimshot sound effect, I would play it. That's amazing. Yep. And then we get another from Martha, and uh, she claims that she's the Leslie Nope of Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Is that near you, Anne? Um, it's on the west side. It's not that far from me. Okay. Um, and she talks about how neighbors definitely can't keep trash cans in the street to reserve parking spots. Um, and she even looked it up, not on Snopes, but uh, she did debunk the idea that that uh, Andrew's neighbors could do that to uh, reserve parking spots. And again, Andrew claims that he is going to be cool about this and let it go. Um, and I'm really, I just, that's a sweet thing that he's thinking, but he is so not that person. Yeah. He just said, oh, I'm just going to, I'll just park farther away and I'll walk because walking is fun. <laughs> yeah, I hope that he can do it. I think it's a, a really good step forward of him to try and and relax and let it go. But, you know, change is a process. Yeah. Aaron uh, is anxious uh, that he rambled during the show. I don't think he did. I thought he did Mm-mm. a good, really good job. And then um, I, as a non-Game of Thrones person, um, listened to uh, the Song of Ice and Spoilers. Um, but that's about all I can say about it. I would like to clear up one point that they got confused on. Uh, the actor Aidan Gillen, who plays Littlefinger, is Irish. He's Just because he's on The Wire, that doesn't mean that he was American. Although they were saying, oh yeah, Idris Elba, he was on The Wire and he's British. but Because um, they were talking about the, the fluidity of accents on Game of Thrones. But Aidan mm. Gillen is, in fact, Irish, which is why his accent often sounded Irish. Yes, those are all excellent, astute 
points about <laughs> a really excellent segment that happened. It sure did. Oh, boy, yes. I assumed that Nick made it even better than normal. Yes, Definitely. Nick did a great job with it. Uh, I I thought that it, there was a really g- good sort of thematic arc to the discussion, and they talked about some individual points. They talked about some sort of bigger... Um, bigger themes, things coming up, and um, and I, I and it was great. It showed a lot of understanding of the whole series and of the television show. And it wasn't just Luke going, "I hate dragons." <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm glad that this segment exists. Um, I have the bartender I work with on Wednesday nights every week uh, for the last three or four weeks has looked at me and he's just said, "Do you watch Game of Thrones?" And I'm like. No. And he goes, damn it. He walks away. He needs this segment. And there's more out there like him who need this segment. And I'm glad it exists. And for my sake, I'm glad it's firewalled off at the end of the show. Yep. Uh, Let's go to Thursday, 2433, double spoofing. Uh, It's another day with the Ace of Mace, as Andrew likes to call him, or the Mace of Spades, as other people apparently like to call him now. I'm going to call him Aaron. Uh, and we start with, uh, after a little bit of rambling on that, a voicemail from Stu, our friend from the internet, with a rap about Chris Hayes. So good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. It just, I, tears of joy stream from my face. <laughs> my mm. actual favorite part of this is, is the beginning when Stu says, hi, Andrew. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> he manages to throw shade at Mason in a way that is so funny to me. Yep. yep. Oh, uh, Stu, I, I don't know if you listen every week or not, but thank you so much <laughs> for everything, but specifically for this rap. Um, we get on to uh, Picnic Talk, um, and Aaron... Uh, makes a joke about being militant about the picnic food rules, clearly <laughs> not knowing that that's our job. I know when he was suggesting that they should check IDs at the door to make people make sure that people were bringing the right dish. I was like, we are so far ahead of you uh, on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, the guy with one leg is lapping Aaron on picnic jokes. So <laughs> congratulations. We get into a spot for breather, which I normally wouldn't mention, except I thought it was really funny that Andrew, um, between the lines, just shit all over KCRW at the spot. Uh, we also had a Thrive Market spot that I only noted because he found a way to make it about Star Wars, which was very awkward. Of course. Uh, Thrive Market try. Yeah, no, not good. Uh, on to the question of the day. Uh, what chore... Do you hate the most? Um, Aaron bounces around on this a little bit. He starts by saying uh, all of them. And then he notes that his girlfriend is good at brushing her teeth. (laughs) To which, first of all, that's not a chore. Again, can you not answer a question? (laughs) Not a chore. Brushing your teeth is is a hygiene thing. Showering is not a chore. You know, shaving or trimming a beard could be. It's a little more optional, but these are... These are baseline things. It does lead to a conversation about the thought of her brushing Aaron's teeth, which was weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Andrew clarifies, this is a a genie wizard scenario. If you could have one chore eliminated because it's being handled by a genie wizard, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? And Aaron lands on laundry uh, and notes that he has what he calls a raccoon room. Well, the side next to his bed is his version of a raccoon room, which is where he lets things just go go back to nature <laughs> of clothes mm-hmm. and piles and garbage. Um, Andrew says that his um, chore that he'd eliminate is cleaning the litter box. And he mentioned something he said before, which is that he used to just throw it all out oh, <laughs> and replace all of it, which I would never do because I would refuse to carry that much fresh litter in the house. I mean, even... Well, and that probably costs a fortune. Even beyond going to buy it, because Sam and I get refill buckets of litter from Petco. And mm-hmm. so I do the thing where I scoop and refill and bring it home. But it's just kind of heavy and awkward. Like, I just don't want to go get more litter than I have to. Yeah, it doesn't bo- it's not a fun chore, but it's probably maybe one of the shortest chores. If you do it every day, it doesn't take very long. Right. That's And we have a litter genie right next to the box. So we just... Oh, so you already have a genie wizard. See? <laughs> it's like it's not an errand, except when I have to change the bag in the litter genie, which is right. just really super awkward and gross. Um, Meredith, what's your chore that you would eliminate? Oh, like I said, probably scrubbing the shower. Um, I really hate cleaning, uh, you know, getting into all the nooks and crannies of the of the shower. That's why I use the, that shower spray to spread that out. So, and, uh, you know, I think it would also be delightful to watch a genie wizard do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get a front row seat. Mm-hmm. I would assume you get that's okay. Yeah. And? I'm a little bit torn here because the one chore that I hate more than anything is dusting, but I essentially don't do it <laughs> I every six months or something. I mean, I think six months between dusting is a little bit more understandable than two months between cleaning the bathroom. But Agreed. I, uh, I am really sort of militant about changing the filters on my furnace and things to try and uh, keep as much dust out of the air as possible and then go through and and dust. I just hate moving all the stuff to dust it. Um, But since I don't really do it anyway, I don't know how big of a deal it would be to have my genie wizard do it. So I might say um, making my lunches for the next week because I do it all at once, like on a Sunday afternoon, and I hate it. (laughs) That makes sense. You're getting more mileage out of your genie wizard I think with so. lunch prep, yeah, it, with all the time you're saving on lunch prep, doing the occasional dusting every couple of months is not too bad. Um, I don't know. I Sam and I have such a good division of duties on this. She does a lot of the general household cleaning, and then I get involved on the bigger, less frequent projects, and then I do the kitchen. So we cook, we both cook, but I, I'm the primary dishes guy, putting things away guy, organizing the kitchen guy, um, fridge purging, um, garbage out to the curb, all that, keeping things from smelling, piling up. I guess mine would be, I just, can this, can this person be a personal assistant for me? Like I just am bad at, (laughs) I'm bad at putting things away. So I'll clean and organize my desk and all my stuff. And then a week later, my desk will be a pile of papers and scraps of things and notes I made and stuff thrown in there. And and the guest room office now has a bed that's 90% of the room, which turns into a landing pile for crap. Um, And I'm always working on more than I should be. So there's never time to tidy it all up. And there's trivia stuff and audio equipment. And um, so if I just had someone who like every day could just take 20 minutes and just put things away. Can, can I get that? Is that, does that count as a chore? 
Well, hell, I'll do that for you, Bobby. (laughs) It seems like, again, the return on investment for flying to New England. (laughs) Just so that I don't have to deal with that at the end of the day, because I often don't. I'll go days at a time, and then I'm like pushing crap out of the way on the desk to set up to record the podcast. So, uh, yeah, just clean up after me. That's all I want. What I want is basically a wife from the 50s, just for that little moment. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's why I didn't. That's why, don't tell that's Sam. Why that's why I don't him. expect that of Sam. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, we get a creepy mention of the shaving scene from the movie Phenomenon. The raccoon room we discussed. We talk about <laughs> pushing things aside like Mr. Plow. Good Simpsons reference. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, then we get into the thank yous. But in the middle of the thank yous, we get a passing conversation about the, uh, the deuce. This movie project of James Franco playing twins in the porn business in the 80s which sounds like a joke sounds like a james franco project is what it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) and then we get to one star reviews uh, a segment that they are lifting from the grapes of rad uh, but it was certainly pretty funny Um, we start with a one star review saying the goodfellas is overrated uh, and diving into the definition of nihilism which i believe andrew pronounced nihilism Mm-hmm. On first mm-hmm. read, um, we get uh, E.T. and a reviewer saying that the child inside of him is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we go on to Willy Wonka with a reviewer that says that the Johnny Depp portrayal is the superior Willy Wonka. No, which way. is just a ridiculous <laughs> statement on the face of it. Uh, and uh, there's also, Meredith, you made this note that uh, the best scene or the worst scene from that film. Well, so Willy Wonka is the original one is one of my favorite movies ever. Every time I was homesick as a kid, I would ask for them to go rent me Willy Wonka. Um, so I've probably seen it, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 50 times. <laughs> And I still love it. I'll still watch it. And I still own a copy. And um, but I agree that the the scene um, where Charlie's mom is singing Cheer Up Charlie is the worst scene in any movie ever. I have spent so much time. I feel like even in fast forward, it's painful to watch. She's making like laundry soup. I don't know what she's doing. But it's just her looking up at the stars and stirring a thing of laundry and singing. And it's so boring. And it's terrible. And I wish it was not part of that movie. It's been years since I've seen that version. Of course, I don't think I ever saw the Johnny Depp version. So um, I prefer to just remember the one that I knew and liked. The Johnny Depp one's fun, but it's not uh, comparable to the original, I don't think. Do make a legitimate point that Willy Wonka is really on paper looking like a pedophile. (laughs) No, he's not a pedophile. He's a child murderer. Okay. He hates them. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. There's a big difference. That's the different end of the spectrum, hate and He whatever. murders most of them. Yes. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons that I think we love Willy Wonka so much, right? Is because he's a very dark character. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that was Roald Dahl's gift, is yep. writing those dark characters in children's books. Yeah. And of course, we're the three with no children between us, so that helps. <laughs> Uh, Top Story, Matt Groening, uh, has a new project, Disenchantment, which is going to be geared toward adults. Um, I didn't take a whole lot of notes on this, except to say we had a top story at like the 50-minute mark or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But again, the segments keep things moving, and I really appreciated that. We get interrupted by Ron Upshaw, who's excited to say hello to the Tens. There's conversations about getting hot dog tattoos that's just in passing. 
Uh, and then I mentioned of speaking of the TV voice actors uh, and Matt Groening and Disenchantment, uh, Hank Azaria's IFC show, Brockmire, which I've plugged on here before. But seriously, I guess the best season of a TV show I've seen in years. Uh, it is incredibly raunchy. It is intentionally incredibly raunchy. Uh, and and the plot moves very quickly to the point of it being a little ridiculous, but it's okay. You still love the characters. Seriously, go. It's on IFC. It's on the IFC app, um, which you can download on most things that download TV apps. And if you have a cable subscription, you probably get IFC and don't even know it. So you can go watch it. Um, Brockmire. It is a lot more involved than just Hank Azaria's character talks like a baseball announcer and gets demoted to the minors. <laughs> there's a lot more going on than that. It's really good. Uh, and then there's just more talk about voice actors. I love Hank Azaria. I think he's great. And I've seen him in a couple of dramatic roles where he was just outstanding. Yeah. So I'd watch him in anything. He is clearly having so much fun in Brockmire and the whole thing is ridiculous, but, um, and Amanda Peet's great too. It just it, they did a really good job walking a line with that, where it's it's goofy, but it's not campy. I don't know. It it, it worked really well. This is just to tie me over until I start a podcast about Brock Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we move on to Friday? Uh, twenty four thirty four. Uncle Mom's Yurt. Uh, Rachel Bell is in the house. I enjoy Rachel so much. I think mm. she's so fun and so funny. But I had a real problem taking notes for this episode because she talks <laughs> so fast and she comes up with such funny things that I'm still writing when she gets to the next thing. And I'm like, wait, 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 I'm not going back because then it'll take me four hours to listen to this episode. But uh, they start off with some talk about uh, a bumper sticker. Did she have it or did she see it or something in high school that said 667 neighbor of the beast? <laughs> I think she had good. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was talking about how she was a, a goth or goth adjacent mm -hmm. when she was yes. in high school. And uh, they make the joke that she's going to be marrying the lead singer of Warrant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Because she actually for... Uh, her podcast, Your Last Meal, she had uh, Jenny Slate on, and one of her favorite food items is cherry pie. And so that meant, of course, that uh, she's going to talk to the lead guitarist of Warrant about cherry pie. The song or the dessert? I wasn't clear on that, but either way, uh, that gets us into some Warrant talk, and they listen to a little bit of Uncle Tom's Cabin and ponder why on earth they chose to call it Uncle Tom's Cabin, since it doesn't seem to be about civil rights or slavery in, in any way. Could it be that Warren just didn't know anything? Can't know. Seems like a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they didn't know anything substantive about Uncle Tom's Cabin. Just, you know, being a provocateur has its moments. I guess it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they get into the question of the day, which is, what is the best sandwich you ever had? I was confused because I thought Andrew was talking about like one instance of one sandwich. And I was like, how can you ever possibly choose that? But Rachel goes for a type of sandwich. And she said, it's the grilled cheese. And I thought, ooh, that's a good choice, uh, which mm -hmm. she uses as a boyfriend test. And her... Anecdotal research, if I can call it that, is that the best boyfriends make the best grilled cheeses. 
and it's pretty cute uh, how how hard they try to make it an awesome grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, Andrew talks about this specific sandwich, a, t- a turkey sandwich, which is like, really, that sounds kind of pedestrian, Andrew, that he got from the In a Pinch Deli that had some Dijonese on it. And they get to talking about Hellman's Dijonese and play a bit of the commercial. And I was like, oh, yeah. But Bobby, I don't know, maybe you have more to say about this sandwich. Well, I do, because I've had this sandwich. Um a couple of years ago, after Andrew first talked about this, and he told a hot dog level story about this sandwich on the show, Sam and I were driving up to New Hampshire, and we drive right through Concord to get up there, and we were looking for a place to stop for lunch. Well, actually, I shouldn't say it was that spontaneous. We knew we would need to stop, and I said, hey, Andrew's gone on and on about this sandwich at this place in Concord, and rather than going to a McDonald's or a Starbucks or something, why don't we go find this this place. And it's exactly as he described. It's an old Concord house with a little deck built off it. And it's been converted into the in a pinch cafe and bakery. Um, and I got the, what he called the Walshinator. Um, <laughs> I put cheese on mine because I'm not a monster. And um, I believe it was, uh, yeah, turkey and lettuce and sprouts and a couple of other things um, on that baguette. I put the picture on the LRB Facebook page Back from my post from a couple of years ago when I went, um, the sandwich was great. And we sat outside and the weather was perfect. And it was a very, very casual place. And um, Sam was only mildly concerned that I was insisting we go to a sandwich place some internet guy had been to. (laughs) Uh, But uh, he, you know, for him, it's clearly the moment and the place and the air and the bread and Right. Um, absolutely. I think he did pick a, a moment in time encapsulated by a sandwich. But uh, if you want to see the Walshinator with cheese, go to the Little Red Bandwagon Facebook page for the picture, um, where I note that um, last summer, Jeremy and I took a little day trip up to Vancouver while I was in Seattle, just the two of us, just two two bros, brown it up, and we had to lay over for lunch. So similarly, I put a call out for Bellingham Snacks, and I asked Carrie – where she thought we should stop and eat. And she suggested Sandwich Odyssey. So we did. We stopped. We got great sandwiches at Sandwich Odyssey on our way up. And it has occurred to me that I'm just a TBTL sandwich stalker now. I'm two for two. (laughs) I don't know. Can't we just drop off the TBTL and sandwich and just leave you at stalker? Hey, now. (laughs) Could we keep that quiet until I get back into the United States? (laughs) I'd appreciate it. Oh, one note. Uh, that honey mustard, I didn't think it was a Dijonese. Um, there's a very particular kind of honey mustard called honey cup mustard, which a lot of um, like little farmer's markety kind of places have and make. But there's also a very commercialized version of it, which is just like a gooey, sweet honey spread that has a little bit of a mustard to it. And that is definitely what this sandwich shop was using. Ah, and I, that sounds ah. wonderful. And I know because I don't like mustard. And I don't really like honey mustard most of the time, but I like honey cup mustard because it's heavy on the honey side. Um, and uh, that was very clearly what was on that sandwich. And it was it was very good. Mm. That sandwich talk. <laughs> Meredith, favorite sandwich? Oh, um, pro- I mean, so Rachel took a stand against um, grilled cheese with other stuff in it. Um, but I'm in favor of those and I guess I would just call them paninis, right? I mean, that's what a panini is. I suppose. <laughs> um, 
So anytime you can get some tomato or some bacon or some avocado, um, throw some spinach on there, and I feel like I'm having a healthy meal. Um, I, I think that's the, the best way to do it. And my grilled cheese secret, which I think makes the best possible grilled cheese, is to grill both sides of the bread before you uh, put the cheese on. Mm-hmm. So you butter them both, you grill one side, flip it over, put the cheese in, put your fillings in, and proceed as usual. It's excellent. So is that mm. your, so you're also going down the grilled cheese road? I guess that's, you know. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm not much of a sandwich connoisseur, actually. I mean, I love sandwiches, but I don't know that I've ever formed an intense connection with a sandwich mm-hmm. the way that Andrew has. But I will say when we went to Langer's in L.A., that pastrami sandwich was pretty good. Yeah. Well, and I, I was surprised during this conversation that his choice wasn't a pastrami sandwich. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a, that's a good thought. I think I might understand why it has to do with my answer, too. Um, it just on on the basics, I would probably go with something like an amazing pastrami sandwich from Katz Deli in New York or Second Avenue Deli. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, there's something about... The, the atmosphere too. And so I think my choice is what they call at Jim's Steakout, which is a local chain in Buffalo, the Stinger. <laughs> um, it's a sub on a local sub roll, and it's basically two subs in once. It's a Buffalo chicken finger sub and a, a steak sub, like a steak bomb, steak hoagie oh my sub. Oh, uh, is that what this picture is? Yes, that's what that picture is. So. That's too much food. Well, right. Oh so it's it's basically just divided with cheese. And so you get the layer of the steak sub and the layer of the chicken finger sub. Here's why I picked it. Um, Jim's is known for their steak subs. They are called Jim's Steakout. Um, and they have a certain sauce, something that they do when they put the sandwich together that makes it unlike any other sub like that. I've gotten steak bomb subs Many different places in many different cities. I've never found one that was as satisfying in sort of that warm, soft, crusty bread, not too crunchy. All the components are right at Jim's. Uh, Similarly, their buffalo blue cheese sub is spectacular. And the fact that someone thought to put the two of them together makes something that you wouldn't make on your own. You probably couldn't explain to a pizzeria to do it right (laughs) if you asked them to make you one. and so it's very much of its place. And so I could go to Buffalo and get one tomorrow. You know, I have a rental car. I'm pretty close. I could, but I'm not going to. It wouldn't be the same. It has to be late at night. It has to be after some beers. And also, you can only do that a couple times in your life or you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so you really enjoy it when you do Yeah. It. So, like, if I'm yeah. going to have another stinger, it's probably going to be my last stinger. <laughs> it's a, you know, it brings back uh, all the Buffalo nostalgia and a ridiculously good sandwich. So that's my, that's my sandwich. Well, I had already decided that the show picture was going to be Michael Jordan with the Hitler mustache, but now it's got to be the picture of the sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no buts about it. <laughs> we just need to get Michael Jordan to eat one of these stingers and then we can cover all our bases. <laughs> Well, let's keep the food talk rolling then. Uh, and the next story is that Lyft is testing out a partnership with Taco Bell for for late night stops. Not completely post-bar close. I didn't write down what the hours were, but like 9 p.m. to 3 p.m. or whatever mm-hmm. that they're calling taco mode. And um, 
And so they talk about what are the benefits to doing this in like a formalized way, because as Andrew points out, Luke's been doing this forever, asking his uh, rideshare drivers to go through the drive-thru for him. Um, Can't you just do it, especially since it seems like the drivers aren't very into it? And I certainly wouldn't if it was my decent car and someone was eating a Taco Bell burrito in the back seat, probably while they're drunk at two in the morning. Uh, that just seems like a recipe for stinkiness and long-lasting mess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want somebody doing that if I was the driver. And as a passenger, I wouldn't dream of doing that. I've never mm-hmm. done that. The worst I've ever done is we were going to a friend's house and we had to stop and get a bottle of wine. And so we asked the driver to go to a wine store and I felt terrible about it. And it was like, run in there, grab it, run out. So they didn't have to wait. And they, they didn't seem to mind. And that wasn't creating any mess in their car. But um, I'm n- I would never do this. Yeah, I can't even. I... I go two ways with with Uber and Lyft. I either want to just put my headphones on and not pay attention to the world, or I'm usually mm-hmm. in a hurry trying to get somewhere. I would just be so rude. I mean, I guess you could offer to buy them. And I know Mike has told us when he was driving for Lyft, you know, that was not uncommon to hit a drive through. I don't know. This whole thing is even more gimmicky than normal. I'll pass. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and this, of course, gets into the question of, do you want it to be Taco Bell anyway, this partnership? Because as Rachel says, she used to love Taco Bell back in her high school days, but she just doesn't do it anymore. Maybe her tastes have changed or evolved and it just tastes gross to her. And Andrew's never been a Taco Bell fan, so they're they're not going to get anything out of this anyway. Ugh, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to pay, any driver will take you through any drive through anytime. <laughs> True. Yeah. I, True. I totally agree with Rachel, though, that when they name things, these stupid names, it, it makes me want to not do it just because I don't want to say it. <laughs> like, you don't, I, I'm never going to get into a lift and say, I want taco mode, taco please. Mode. <laughs> Let's go into taco mode. And like, when things are named stupidly on menus, I will just pick, your, pick something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that does make me think about uh, in Knight Rider. Because they had that button that you pressed and it went into super pursuit mode. So if you had another (laughs) button that said taco mode, that I'm willing to do. Well, if you just had to push a button, yeah, I wouldn't have to say it out loud. (laughs) If your car has a button that goes into super pursuit or taco mode, you are stoned enough. The last thing you need is to extend your night by a trip to Taco Bell. True. That is true. Uh, The next story about grocery stores adapting to accommodate more male shoppers is the source of the final hug your phone moment from Lauren this week. And she says, Rachel Bell, I mean, come on. My favorite moment was her reaction to Andrew introducing the men shopping in grocery stores. Uh, More top story with quote, okay, here's this bullshit story. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so great. And I guess the point is that they said that men get frustrated easily and so they need to make the shopping experience easier for them by organizing aisles around shopping missions so if they're grilling you put all the grilling things together instead of the different components in different aisles um this is this is silly right give me a bark Grocery stores are not hard to figure out. Men are not so stupid that if they're grilling, they don't know they need to go to the bread place for buns and to the meat place for hot dogs. It's not that complicated. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
Well, I was thinking maybe this is another one of those things that flow from not having housewives anymore with your women in the workforce, then men are actually having to go to the grocery store and uh, and they need to get with the times. And Andrew talks about how his QFC is just terribly organized, but you go there a few times and, and you learn it and then it's fine. And then it's your happy place and you go every day and all the cashiers know you and they're probably saying, oh God, not this asshole again. <laughs> I can see this being a problem in like maybe 1952. <laughs> I, I feel yes. like we're a little bit beyond that, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. I don't know if I know a man who is bewildered by grocery stores anymore. I'm sure that there's some upsell factor to this. I'm sure that, you know, when I walk in and there's the marshmallows and they've been smart enough to put a box of graham crackers and some chocolate bars next to the marshmallows yeah. so that I might go mm-hmm. into my marshmallows, but I'll walk out with stuff for s'mores. That's mm-hmm. one thing. It's 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 insultingly different to have it be the basics you need to be a human at the grocery store. Well, and to call them missions as if men can't do anything unless it's got some sort of war theme to it. <laughs> well, Rachel brings kind of an interesting angle on this is that uh, maybe there's a generational component to this. And she, at her work, she sees... The younger people bring way more pre-packaged food, your Trader Joe entrees and whatever, and that they're very amazed when she brings in something that she's cooked, even if it's pretty basic. Uh, I think that's just the way that we're moving as a society. We're all so overscheduled and overstimulated and busy that I think since there isn't a person whose full-time job it is to take care of the house and make the meals, that we're... We're just doing it differently now. I don't cook. I can't be bothered. It's just me. I'm not getting home at 7 p.m. and then spending 45 minutes cooking something. So I'll eat cheese and crackers. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I like to cook. Um, and there's often leftovers because it's just the two of us. But I also drink Soylent. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it turns out that blowing out your birthday candles on your cake increases bacteria by 1,400%. Is anybody surprised? And I was really with Rachel and her reaction, which is essentially, so? Yeah, that's that's what happened. And she said, we're just blowing on each other's birthday cakes all day, which is true. Have you ever been to a child's birthday party where they literally just spit all over the cake? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I find it delightful. It doesn't really bother me. No, the thing that they liked about the story more, I think, though, is that in order to try and set up, I guess, realistic birthday party bacteria, the researchers had a a pre-experiment pizza party. (laughs) Sure, that's why. Yeah. That's how you get the NIH to pay for a pizza party. (laughs) And that takes Andrew into a discussion of what actually makes a pizza party. I mean, obviously, just ordering pizza doesn't make it a party. But uh, he talks about how important it is to have the square sliced pizza. Uh, I was just thinking it was a party anytime you got to have pizza, because that's not something that we, we got to order very often. But Rachel, of course, is like, oh, Sicilian pizza? <laughs> and Andrew's like, yeah. no? no, Ohio pizza? Uh, any pizzeria making a crap load of pizza, pizza. Yeah. yeah just cheap, yeah. cheap pizza. <laughs> Detroit mm-hmm. pizza is often square. But this is, yep. you know, 
it happens to be the size of a sheet pan for a reason. Mm-hmm. Maximum square footage of pizza. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's very important to him that he get a middle slice, so no crust, which I don't understand because I like oh, crust. Give me the corner. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, you can eat pizza with me anytime because we won't fight over the pieces. <laughs> True. And then the the final uh, food-themed story is that Coke Zero isn't really going away. The alarm was sounded on the Stens page because we know how Luke feels about Coke Zero. Uh, and it is not being discontinued. It is just being rebranded to Coke No Sugar, which I think is way worse than Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly will have the same ingredients. But I, I read it's going to be a different formulation. I mean, are, aren't all sodas basically the same ingredients? More or less, with the exception of some flavorings. Mm-hmm. I guess so, but whenever Coke messes with their formula, people go crazy. I know, you think they'd have learned their lesson by now. Yeah. So, Andrew says, calm down, everybody. And it's not like it's Crystal Pepsi or anything. True. <laughs> I'm drinking a Canadian Diet Coke right now, and it is not the same, and it is not as good. And I forgot about the fact that normally I buy a case of Diet Coke and a case of water before I leave. And so even when I'm usually here, I'm drinking American Diet Coke. It's not the same. And it's not just the French on the can that's making me angry. There's definitely a different <laughs> level of sweetener, different different formulation of yep. sweetener, and it's just not right. It just – it doesn't burn the right way, Bobby. Yep. You're absolutely right. You're not, it's not even a joke. It, it tingles differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And then we get a preview for next week. Monday's co-host making their TBTL co-hosting debut is Durs. So I don't really know very much about him, but uh, the little bit that I've heard, I like it. So I'm looking forward to Monday. And then Music for Your Weekend, Rachel has to have cherry pie from Warrant, of course. And uh, at this point, Andrew makes a shocking claim that if there's no ice cream, then he just doesn't want pie. It's ice cream or nothing. And I was like, crazy talk. (laughs) I mean, I guess you do it your way, but man. I think think he's never had good pie. I think that's the problem. Mm -hmm. There you go. Good good pie. Uh, Andrew, I know you're not listening, but let me will this the way I can get into Macaulay's brain. Maybe I can get into yours. Question for next week. Best dessert. Because I think a perfect pie... Might I mean I've got some quirky desserts that I love that that you know like a kaflooti something like that with fresh cherries probably my absolute favorite dessert but of the desserts people are actually willing to make a perfect pie it's really up there yeah my mother makes wonderful pie she you know the crust is homemade and she picks the fruit herself and makes you know makes the filling herself so it's just really fantastic I would eat that plain any day I'd eat that for breakfast in fact I have yep. <laughs> Well, there's fruit in there. It's fine. Yeah, it's I had a butter tart this morning for breakfast, and that had nothing of nutritional value in it. <laughs> but I happened to see it when I was going out to get a coffee and couldn't resist. Well, this settles it. I can't be on next week's recap if there's going to be a question of the perfect dessert, because I can't <laughs> answer that Sophie's choice. <laughs> this will be a three-hour episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Andrew's music for your weekend is the Jesus and Mary chain head on and Amber from was it Memphis a neighbor of Amy chose Juice Newton queen of hearts and that is the week 
I'll roll us on into housekeeping. Remember, there's merchandise in the merchandise store. We've had a couple of nice testimonials and pictures now about how good the merchandise is. I forget who it was. Was it Glenn who said he didn't want the, any mugs unless the lettering peeled off in the dishwasher in true TVTL fashion? <laughs> the mug arrived broken. Yes. <laughs> but people are really liking their stuff. Uh, don't forget our Amazon link if you're shopping for something on Amazon, and I know you are, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. On earbuds and earworms this week, mysterious music. I don't know what that means because I haven't listened to the episode yet. The prompt was songs about mysteries or including mysteries. Um, I haven't listened yet either, but um, I'm probably going to crank it up in the rental car when uh god i just said crank it up didn't i mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i am going to play it in the rental car uh as soon as i get out of here so we all have that to look forward to and finally don't forget to send in your favorite lrb moments for our end of show best of show you can find us at littleredbandwagon.com or throwyourphone.com. You can also hug your phone at throwyourphone.com. On Facebook, Little Red Bandwagon, Twitter's LRB Podcast. Email littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemails and text messages to 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, I will get us out of here. Until next time, this is your next party. The next party. You do it, Meredith. We love you, Jen. Nailed it. <laughs>